0: Friends, welcome to this episode of Leadosophy. You're here with an open mind, hopefully, because that's the rule, not the exception. This is part two of talking about the Navy report that went to Congress. The report is titled "Let me get it for you: A Report on the Fighting Culture of the United States Navy Surface Fleet." I'm going to talk about this the merits of this report, not so much the substance. I'm going to read the executive summary, but then I want to talk about why I wanted to podcast about this report, and it's not so much about the actual substance in the report, which I initially wanted to talk about, but I've gotten away from that upon reflection, and I'll I'll explain those thoughts as we move forward here. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Here we go. Are you ready to permanently fuse leadership and philosophy? Then a word of caution. You are about to enter the fully abstract yet wholly concrete realm of Leidosophy. <laughs> Our ideas are not always so clear and distinct. To validate this proposition, we welcome the host of Leadosophy, Tim Woody. Hi friends, welcome back to Leadosophy. Glad you could join me whether you're watching or listening. Leadosophy is grateful, and I am grateful. So here's some general thoughts on how I approached the idea of podcasting on this report. And again, it's titled Report on the Fighting Culture of the United States Navy Surface Fleet. I introduced this on my last podcast. I initially wanted to talk about the actual findings of of the investigation of the whatever you want to call it whether it's an investigation or just a general assessment of the culture in the Navy, mainly the surface fleet, and then talk about kind of the, the recommendations moving forward that were given to Congress. But the more I read it, the more cautious I became, I remembered, you know, using the tools of philosophical thought thinking critically about this report. You know, it's one small facet of the Navy holistically and the I got more apprehensive about talking on the substances report and I wanted to focus more on the merit of the report. What good will this report do? How much worth and value does it have? Not just for the Navy, but for co- members of Congress, for the American taxpayer. But as I read, I am going to read the executive summary of the report, which is about two pages. And I think there's some leadership things we can take away or some things we can think about. So I want to engage, as I I read the executive summary, let us engage in some philosophical role-playing. You know what that means? If you've watched Lead Awesome before, you know philosophy loves thought experiments. So I want you to imagine holding a leadership position within the Navy ranks, or just imagine having this report dropped on your organization that is not a military service. Uh, You might be an executive within the healthcare industry. Uh, You might be an executive of an automobile manufacturing plant. Or you might be someone who holds a senior leadership role, let's say, at a nuclear power plant. Maybe you're in charge of the safety program of your nuclear facility. So as I'm reading the report, keep these different ideas in mind, this thought experiment. Keep in mind as I'm reading the executive summary, how would this make you feel? Reading this report dropped on your organization, or if again, if you want to view this report through the lenses, if you were in a leadership role in the Navy, what thoughts and images come to mind? What concerns and opportunities resonate with you about leading, about following, about organizational culture in general, and organization's values and priorities? And many values and priorities, and you know, this may apply to your world of work, where, where whatever organization you're in. What values and priorities does your organization have that compete with one another, that compete for time, compete with resources? How do you handle this as a leader? This is important. How do you handle this with your followers? How do you handle it as a follower yourself? If you have competing personal values that compete with your organizational values, these are things I want you to think about as I read the executive summary, which I will do now. So, again, this was written by Lieutenant General Robert Schmittel, U.S. Marine Corps retired, and Rear Admiral Mark Montgomery of the U.S. Navy, also retired. So the review is conducted at the direction of Senator Tom Cotton and Congressman Mike Gallagher, Jim Banks, and Dan Crenshaw as strictly nonpartisan exercise in congressional oversight. The authors of this review conducted long-form interviews with numerous active duty and recently retired or detached officers and enlisted personnel about their insights into the culture of the United States Navy following a series of high-profile and damaging operational failures in the Navy surface warfare community. The discussion below is intended to inform Congress of findings of these interviews with an emphasis on subjects including funding, maintenance planning, administrative management, and operational employment. And I'm going to scroll down here a little more to talk about the interview how were the interviews conducted, who was interviewed? Interviews were conducted both by congressional staff and outside experts. Interviewers were directed to apply an iterative long-form interview process to a wide variety of individuals and to present members of Congress with a compendium detailing their findings. 77 unique and formal interviews were conducted with Navy personnel via an extensive hour-long process to establish a common controlled approach to the questions at hand. They spent a significant amount of time and this is in the report, they spent a significant amount of time interviewing the surface fleet, the surface warfare fleet, and that's going to come up later in in my general comments. By conducting lengthy conversations with knowledgeable subject matter experts and subjects with direct experience in or with the surface Navy, including with ship captains in command, deep and substantive common insights were captured that escaped mathematical surveys. Moreover, by conducting the interviews from outside the chain of command via the exercise of Congress's Title I Oversight Authority and by pledging an anonymity to participants, interviewers enjoyed a significant level of candor in these conversations. And again, I'm reading this. If, if you're just listening, you're not watching, I have the actual report up on the screen. So for my YouTube list watchers, I know you can see this, but we have people that are just listening on audio as well. So the goal of this report was to identify trends that would not normally be shared with their own chain of command. So I wanna read the specific issues raised in this report, which leads to the recommendations at the end that was given to Congress. But after I read the specific issues raised, I'm gonna go back and uh, we're gonna put this report to bed and I'm just gonna talk generally about my thoughts on this report. But here were the specific issues raised and there were multiple categories. The first one was insufficient leadership, focus on war fighting. And I'm not going to read the whole paragraph that goes with it. The second one was a dominant and paralyzing zero defect mentality. And I'm going to talk more about the zero defect mentality on the next episode. The next one was under investment in surface warfare officer training. This goes to, talked this talked about this before, knowledge, tools, and resources. Making sure your people have that. The next one is poorly resourced and executive surface ship maintenance programs. Then we move on to expanding culture of micromanagement. We have corrosive over responsiveness to media culture. And then other themes that a majority of interviewees mentioned included the surface Navy wardroom. Wardroom is, uh, for civilian listeners, the wardroom is the officer corps of the Navy. The Wardroom has lost its focus on growing good ship handlers. Sailors are distracted by a tsunami of administrative tasks not related to their ship's lethality. The Navy is too small to accomplish all the missions with which it is tasked by senior civilian leaders and combatant commanders. And lastly, sailors and officers lack sufficient resiliency and are unprepared for the difficulties of combat, in part because their training has de-emphasized persistent exposure to adversity okay so there's the the report in a nutshell again the report is about 23 pages long maybe 20 21 not including table contents and all that kind of stuff there's a lot of information in there and i think there are a lot of leadership lessons we can take away if we were to dive into all of the substance of the report but after i read the report a few times and i was thinking kind of about my my leadership studies at gonzaga and, and dealing with organization development. We kind of, we, we dealt with organization development within the Gonzaga program. I wanted to kind of do a meta review of the report. And I wanted to look at the report through the lens of an organization development practitioner, someone who is kind of a change agent who is responsible for going into an organization that might be struggling or having problems or just wants an outsider to look at different facets facets of the organization and maybe see what they could do better. But first of all, what is, an, what is OD, organization development, and why would I focus on this report from an OD practitioner viewpoint? Well, I'll give you the definition. OD, or organization development, is defined as the, quote, process of increasing organizational effectiveness and facilitating personal and organizational change through the use of interventions driven by social and behavioral science knowledge, and I take that from uh, this this book here. This is Anderson's Organization Development: and The Process of Leading Organizational Change. If you're watching, you can see the book up there. It's really good. Uh, it's one of the books we use, textbooks we use in in our in our studies. I take change to mean improvement for me. I think there's a difference between change and making improvements. I think some changes can be highly negative. Sometimes people change things for change sake. I think improvements is what we strive for as an organization. Or if, if you're in a leadership role, we should, always be in, be, we should always strive for evolving, for improving, and not just changing because we want to change. So as an OD practitioner, someone that I, I strive to be an OD practitioner, that's the way I want to go. I think it's important. I think that's what I want to do if I was going to get into another career field. Someone who is charged with facilitating the change process and delivering my findings to the organization's leadership team, if I'm talking about the Navy. So I look at this report as one component part of a much larger whole in the, the holistic side of the Navy that I have yet to explore and understand. And I think that's very important when we read this report. It's the fundamental reason that I read this report with extreme caution. You know, the spirit of lead lead, leadosophy dictates that I withhold judgment, that I don't extrapolate truths about an organization as a whole, especially from one sample of information, which is that report. And now, granted, they interviewed 77 people, but at the end of the day, there's almost 340,000 people in the Navy, and there were 77 people interviewed. I'm not saying we can't get some, some general information about the culture of the Navy. But again, I think it's prudent to withhold a lot of judgment based on those 77 interviews. And again, I'm not discrediting the interviewees. I'm just saying, I think it's prudent to withhold some judgment. And again, the report admitted that the interview, interviewers did exercise a moderate prejudice or speaking to personnel with service in the surface Navy, to officers and to those with significant time at sea. That's a quote from the report. So there was a large emphasis or an extended emphasis on the surface fleet personnel, the sailors within the surface ple- fleet. There are other sides to the Navy, aviation, submarine, goes on and on. You know, what about the operational shore commands and commands responsible for logistical functions like resource allocation? So an OD practitioner, organization development practitioner, would prefer a large cross-section of feedback and data. If I'm doing the analysis, I want to know if the special warfare command has a microculture that plays into a holistic part of Navy culture. And does that microculture square with the surface warfare culture, with the aviation culture? with a sea lift command. As leaders, can we draw similar parallels to other industries like healthcare, for example? So if you're a hospital executive, can you understand the culture of your organization by analyzing and assessing the organizational culture within the diagnostic service department alone? What about the workforce responsible for the therapeutic and support service lines? And if you can slice the pie even thinner, if you're a hospital executive, can you understand your hospital's culture by just assessing cardiology or neurology? It's very small sections of, of the hospital at large. And I think that's important as a leader. You have to sometimes take a grain of salt. When you're, if you want to take a holistic view of the culture of your organization, where are you pulling your samples from? Are you doing it holistically or are you just doing parts? I think that's important to think of, not just as a leader, but as a organization development practitioner as well. So I think it's important here to differentiate between gaining insight into an organization's culture and fully understanding an organization's culture. I think there's a difference. I think that report that I introduced last podcast and I talked about today, the executive summary, I think that report we can get a small insight into some ongoings of the Navy culture. But again, it's it's inside. I'm not, I don't think we can necessarily understand Navy culture writ large, if that makes sense. Again, another reason why I am exercising caution as I analyze that report. And I, I think it's also important to know that as an outsider, even if you're an OD practitioner and you're trying to study the culture of an organization, they call that You know, there's another name for that. It started off kind of like an organizational anthropologist. That's kind of where this came from, where organizational uh, organization development came from. It's it's a very sociological look at an organization. It's a very, called a socio-technical system. And it may be almost impossible for an outsider to fully understand an organization's culture that they're studying or analyzing. I think that's important to know as well. So... On the flip side, you know, if I'm reading that report, if I'm a Navy leader, I don't think we can ignore the fact that the surface fleet comprises a large part of the Navy's whole. So again, if I'm a Navy leader, I I think I have to take that report and its findings very seriously. So here's another thought experiment for you. What if you were the chief of naval operations of the CNO? So currently the CNO is four-star Admiral Michael Gilday. The CNO is, quote, responsible to the Navy Secretary for the command utilization of resources and efficiency of the operating forces of the Navy and of the Navy shore activities assigned by the Secretary, according to the defense.gov website. So think of Admiral Gilday as a CEO of his company, right? His company belongs to the American taxpayer. It just so happens to be. His shareholders are the American taxpayer. So it may go without saying that the consequences are much higher if the company fails. And I say that, I don't say that lightly either. So that said, with the CNO's responsibilities, four-star admiral, I preface this thought experiment with the clear understanding that I have no concept of the challenges, the obstacles, and the pressures to perform to deliver results and to meet expectations of the American people. I read this report and I wonder what leadership takeaways do I have? What would I have? What can I learn about the people I serve and serve with if I'm the Chief of Naval Operations? What are my concerns? What actions do I take or not take? How much caution should I exercise while evaluating the findings and recommendations outlined in this report? What pressures would I feel as a result of the report? Think about the congressional oversight and the expectations of Congress the expectations of those who serve within the surface fleet? What if I believe that my organization is on the right track, but external stakeholders are pressuring me to make changes? Will I hold the line? Should I hold the line? What am I missing? Or what are my blind spots? Do we have a culture problem fleet-wide based on the findings of this report? Am I providing my workforce with the tools, knowledge, and resources to do their jobs well. This is the fertile soil analogy I talk about all the time. Is the soil fertile enough for the plants to not just survive, but to thrive? So these are some initial thoughts from Leadosophy. I think on the next part, I'm going to discuss what we did not learn from this report. And specifically, I'll address the zero defect mindset, which I mentioned in the report, which was mentioned in the report in the findings. And I'll introduce some thoughts on organizational culture. And I'm going to rely heavily on the works from, from Edgar Schein. He's a psychologist who's pioneered and revolutionized the field of organizational culture. Because I think, I think it's important here to introduce on the next episode organizational culture and what that means. Because I think, I think it's easy to, to say organizational culture is the way an organization conducts business. It's very easy to boil that down in very simplistic terms and it's it's very complex. There's a lot of moving parts to organizational culture. The target is consistently shifting. And I think we need to talk about that and, and tease that out a little bit. So as leaders, we have a better understanding of what organizational culture is and maybe ease our anxieties about, you know, if, if we hear something negative about an organization, it may not actually mean that you have a widespread organizational problem, a widespread organizational culture problem. It's easy. I think it's easy, just like this Navy report, to, to think maybe the sky is falling a little bit. But I don't necessarily think that we can take that away from, from the report. Maybe some people will. And again, maybe my downfall is I am not in the Navy. Maybe there are some significant structural problems. Uh, but maybe... It's not as good as it seems. It's not as bad as it seems. I don't really know. I just know that using the tools of philosophical thought, I am deepening my understanding of leadership and I am exercising some caution as I read that report and not trying to extrapolate a whole lot and make a lot of judgments of Navy leadership, of Navy practices. So there we go. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Catch you next time. Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Leadosophy. If you liked what you heard today, hit that subscribe button and check out leadosophy.com and learn more about Tim's ideas on philosophy and leadership. We'll see you next time.